0: Henry Miller is your O.G. punk, O.G. dirty old man, in my opinion.
1: This is just some kind of hippy-dippy Jack Kerouac stuff, which, which really doesn't work at all for me.
0: This is not a book. This is libel, slander, defamation of character. This is not a book in the ordinary sense of the word. No, this is a prolonged insult. A gob of spit in the face of art. A kick in the pants to God, man, destiny, time, love, beauty, what you will. I'm going to sing for you. A little off-key, perhaps, but I will sing. I will sing while you croak. I will dance over your dirty corpse.
1: Welcome to Band Book Club. I'm Nick.
0: And I'm Rafaela.
1: And that was a quote from Tropic of Cancer by Henry Miller. This book probably more than any other book I've read breaks the rules at least in terms of fiction writing I mean right off the bat it's got a boring opening line I am living at the Villa Borghese it's got (laughs) endless run on sentences that are replete with adjectives another no no virtually no plot and overall it's just extremely self indulgent and that's kind of the point And we're going to get more into that idea later, but first through the plot. Yeah, I'm going to give you
0: a little bit about the book, but I have to say, just starting this off, I think this book is extremely misunderstood, and we're going to talk about that. Um, I think if you go online and you read about this book, you're definitely not going to want to pick it up, but I say give it a chance like I gave it a chance, but... Um, thank you. If you're here, make sure you're subscribed. And if you enjoy this video at the end, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. So about Henry Miller. Now, he's inspired a lot of other writers and artists. Um, he was known for breaking the rules in literature. He was born and raised in Manhattan. He was a New Yorker. He was the son of Lutheran-German parents, and he grew up in a very strict home, and he even said that his mother never hugged him, never showed him love. Um, He loved Europe, especially Paris. He loved French people. He loved French culture, and he actually lived there for a while. Um, One of his biggest influences was Arthur Rimbaud, and he actually wrote a book all about him, and if you open up this book, it has a whole beginning chapter about his love for Rimbo um, and how um, he was heavily in- influenced by Anais Nin, by Celine, all of these people. So we'll talk more about that. But a lot of people will say if you can sum up this book, it is the immersive meditation on the human condition. Ooh, fancy. We need some bongos. Right. It's set in Paris and it follows Miller himself as a struggling writer. And he just um, goes about Paris and he's struggling every day but he feels free and you're just following on with his adventures. And this book has a lot of sexual encounters, a lot of women in here. So That's
1: probably the main reason why it's banned is – I think it's safe to say the sexual content in here. It
0: really is. So just to give you some background on why it's banned, this is probably the most banned book we've read. Close to American Psycho, but that made more sense. Um, In
1: in the U.S., in terms of court cases and challenges and people actually going to jail for uh, putting this thing out, yeah, this is definitely the most banned one.
0: So it was – It was uh, notorious for its candid sexuality. It was actually published in 1934 in France, but it was completely banned in the United States. This book didn't actually come out in the U.S. until the 60s when all of these court cases were settled. So people – this is one of the most stolen books too. I was reading about that, that this was a famous book for being stolen in libraries
1: they had publishers manufacturing it out of, um, I think they said in Mexico, and then importing it into the U.S. when you can only buy it in France, and those were the people that went to jail for the longest.
0: And I think that's what also kind of intrigues you about this book, because you're like, wow, it's so banned and restricted. I want to know what's inside. Um, random fact. Um, it comes up on an episode of Seinfeld with the, with the library guy. I forget the name of the episode, but jerry is in trouble because he stole this book apparently back then in the 70s and the the library cop guy is trying to catch him but anyways um so henry miller is your og punk og dirty old man in my opinion and his whole book is very stream of consciousness we watched a documentary which it's available on youtube it's henry miller is not dead and People say, his own family, friends, that this book, the character of Miller in this book is nothing like him in real life. In real life, he actually loved women and was very respectful. He was a gentleman around them. The problem was women were taking advantage of him. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I just kind of took this character as him, just this really dirty guy and that he would really just be into that sort of thing. But apparently in real life, he wasn't.
1: He didn't seem to be from everything we've seen, but I think he did have a real lust for life mm-hmm. that was genuine and that it's so apparent in the prose in this book. And I think that's, at the end of the day, what draws people to this book. I mean, at first, it's probably the graphic content and just the the legend of how... Uh, nasty this thing is but you get in there and the words are just so full of life they flow they're musical Mm -hmm. it's just um, it's like being around a person who's really alive well I really want I want
0: you to get into your opinion of this book I'll start it off because I think my review will be shorter so honestly halfway through this book I was struggling I was struggling pretty hard. I didn't want to continue. I felt like putting it down. And it 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 took a lot for me to really push myself through because honestly, I was waiting for something to happen. And then I started to realize, oh, it's one of those books that doesn't really have a plot. And I didn't get it. I didn't understand why this book is in the top 100 greatest novels of all time. It's respected by so many people but it is also one of those books where it's hit or miss and I started to realize just like others have had struggles reading this book that it's not meant to be a typical novel and yes I finished it and I get it I mean I kind of get it but it's not going to be my favorite I'm probably not going to pick it up again there were some really beautiful lines in it but I think this book is very misunderstood because when you go on something like Goodreads or you watch someone else on YouTube review this book, I think they're taking it very literally and I don't think this book was meant to be taken very literally. It's more of like a philosophy book. It's about his character. Just, you know, he says, I have no money. I have no friends. I am free, you know, and It's a very carefree, bohemian outlook on life. It wasn't my style of books, I'll be honest. I was bored multiple times in this book, and I was getting lost because it was literally becoming, here's another woman he had sex with, here's another woman he had sex with, blah, 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 the C word, the C word, the C word. And it was rough. But anyways, I ended the book. I liked it, but... Not a favorite. Not going to be picking it up. I would recommend it to certain people. I would not tell everyone you must read this book. But I think if you're trying to be a writer and you want to help your writing and you like that stream of consciousness style, then this is the book for you because he's OG from the 30s. That's my spiel. (laughs) Stay with us. We'll be right back. Before we continue, a quick interruption. Want to purchase the book we're discussing in this episode? Well, check out Bookshop. Bookshop is an online bookstore with a mission to financially support local independent bookstores. As more and more people buy their books online, Bookshop has created an easy, convenient way for you to get your books and support bookstores at the same time. Bookshop will give away over 75% of their profit margin to stores, publications, and authors. If you want to shop the books we've covered on the podcast, visit the link down below in the description. We do receive a small commission based on sales, so thank you for all your support of our channel and podcast.
1: So, my first impression about 10 pages in with this thing was that this is just some kind of hippy-dippy Jack Kerouac stuff, which, which really doesn't work at all for me. I mean, he was, he's talking so much about Paris, uh, (laughs) the artists, just this freewheeling, like you said, bohemian life. And um, it it just reminded me of a lot of annoying people I've met in Los Angeles and Austin, Texas. But then I I kept going with it. And the writing slowly was starting, was reminding me of, well, it was growing on me and it was reminding me a lot of someone else and i mean it probably took me too long to realize this given what the the foreword says at the beginning of the book about rimbaud but i realized i love this stuff and the reason why is it's all rimbaud mm-hmm. who is my favorite writer of all time i mean miller was obsessed with him he wrote a a whole book about him, like you mentioned, the time of the assassins, not just about him, but comparing himself to him. And that is I would say he successfully pulls off that same energy that Rimbaud does in this book. And when it when it's working, it's completely thrilling and engaging. I mean, it's it you'll read the passages like I I gotta read at least one here to you. And The music will just carry you through the whole thing. Let me see where it is here. A faint odor of... so Okay, just to give you some background, this is him (laughs) describing being in, uh, I guess, an opera house or a, a symphony hall or something. A faint odor of perfume, very faint. Even before the music begins... There is that bored look on people's faces, a polite form of self-imposed torture, the concert. For a moment, when the conductor raps with his little wand, there is a tense spasm of concentration, followed almost immediately by a general slump, a quiet, vegetable sort of repose induced by the steady, uninterrupted drizzle from the orchestra. My mind is consciously alert, curiously alert. It's as though my skull had a thousand mirrors inside it. My nerves are taut, vibrant. The notes are like glass balls dancing on a million jets of water. I've never been to a concert before on such an empty belly. Nothing escapes me, not even the tiniest pin falling. It is as though I had no clothes on and every pore of my body was a window and all the windows open and the light flooding my gizzards. I can feel the light curving under the vault of my ribs and my ribs hang there over a hollow nave trembling with reverberations. How long this lasts, I have no idea. I have lost all sense of time and place. After what seems like an eternity, there follows an interval of semi-consciousness balanced by such a calm that I feel a great lake inside me, a lake of iridescent sheen, color as jelly, and over this lake, rising in great swooping spirals, there emerge flocks of birds of passage with long, slim legs and brilliant plumage. Flock after flock surge up from the cool, still surface of the lake, and passing under my clavicles, lose themselves in the white sea of space. And then slowly, very slowly, as if an old woman in a white cap were going the rounds of my body, slowly the windows are closed and my organs drop back into place. I mean, that that's just uh, a roller coaster.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's how there. a lot of the book is, um, unless he's talking about women.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying... This is Rimbaud. If if you go read any of his stuff, uh, Drunken Boat, Drunken Morning, A Season in Hell, you'll see the exact type of language there. And I'm sure you could think, well, that's just a fancier version of Jack Kerouac, just bohemian, all the feelings everywhere type of writing, but I I don't think it is. I think there's a, a fine line between those things, and what helps explain it really is an idea from Nietzsche. Nietzsche has a book called The Birth of Tragedy. And in it, he talks about these two primal energies that you can find in art or in literature, like we're talking about now. And that's what's called the Apollonian and Dionysian dichotomy. So mm-hmm. basically, you've got the two energies are. On one hand, Apollo, which is logic, clarity, um, order, structure, which we've covered writing, that's like that for sure. And then on the other hand, you have Dionysus, who is chaos, passion, emotion, um, sexuality, feeling, experience. And what made Rimbaud such a revolutionary writer was he was the first one to really tap into that Dionysian energy successfully in poetry and again when it works it works great and that's it's the same in this book but if you stretch it out too long it it can have problems too and uh, just just to wrap up the Nietzsche stuff really quick so he also goes on to explain that um, I mean there's problems with this this Dionysian, Sort of thing. If that's the route you're going with your art, and the problem is that he says in um, "The Birth of Tragedy" is that you can end up like a character like Hamlet, who, you know, Hamlet he sees a ghost and he he becomes aware that there's this supernatural world out there, and he sees the whole scope of things and realizes whatever action he takes is not going to have much of an effect on anything, so he's just mm-hmm. paralyzed. And um, Nietzsche says, you know, if you're going to do go the Dionysian way, that could be your problem, but you can overcome it by getting into this state that he calls frenzy. And I, I wanted to read Nietzsche's description of frenzy because I think it perfectly summarizes what's going on with Henry Miller in this book. And... It, It explains the difference between him and someone like just Kerouac. Mm -hmm. So this is what Nietzsche says about frenzy. In this state, one enriches everything out of one's own fullness. Whatever one sees, whatever one wills, is seen, swelled, taut, strong, overloaded with strength. A man in this state transforms things until they mirror his power, until they are reflections of his perfection. Thus having to transform into perfection is art. So I think that's that's exactly what's going on with Henry in this book, is he's fluctuating between that kind of frenzy, like when he's de- in that passage where he described music, or sometimes that Hamlet-like paralysis, which you definitely feel in some pretty long stretches of this book where I kind of got a little bored. I don't know if that was intentional or not on his part, but that's what was exciting to me about it.
0: I think a lot could have been cut out, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, I think this book was also meant to be a, uh, for him to express his outlook on life to inspire others about you know never feeling like you're being controlled by anything, not feeling like you always have to go out and earn a living, earn a job, and work hard and all that, I think it was like like the documentary it said, just existing was you know how to live your life, but there are so many quotes too in in the book about the way he looked at life that were very poetic i'll I'll read my part but you know like you said does it work does it sustain itself
1: well yeah because again that it's rimbaud and rimbaud works great in poetry but this is a novel after all it's 300 pages
0: it's like did, it's like a really long never ending poem in a way
1: did it does it being work being set at that high of a pitch for that long did that work for you in this book? I think, think if you, you have
0: misstepped? a great appreciation for style in writing that you would enjoy that. But maybe something, some a, a book for me, it didn't do it for me. I think I would have much rather, like I like reading the quotes out of this book.
1: Or just taking out some of the passages right. and letting them be prose poems on their own. You think that would have been better?
0: Yes, I do. I do. I think, I think that was what he probably should have done with his novels. Now, I haven't read anything else by him, but I imagine they have around the same idea as Tropic of Cancer. But just to give you an idea of, uh, one of his, one of his quotes. Um, so. I, too, love everything that flows—rivers, sewers, lava, semen, blood, bile, words, sentences. I love the amniotic fluid when it spills out of the bag. I love the kidney with its painful gallstones, its gravel and whatnot. I love the urine that pours out scalding and the clap that runs endlessly. I love the words of hysterics and sentences that flow on like dysentery and mirror all the sick images of the soul. mean— <laughs> There's so many in here. I believe that today, more than ever, a book should be sought after even if it has only one great page in it. We must search for fragments, splinters, toenails, anything that has ore in it, anything that is capable of resuscitating the body and the soul. I mean, he does like lists a lot.
1: Yeah, it's, it's these, I mean, that that's Rimbaud style. It's just run on sentences, uh, juggling nouns, piling on adjectives. Again, all things that are typically rules you shouldn't break but
0: but he broke them before we continue just a quick interruption are you enjoying this episode if you are go ahead and like and subscribe if you have anything to add to the discussion go ahead and comment down below now back to the episode and I think something that I started to realize and I'm sure you also realized it, but his similarity to Charles Bukowski. Oh yeah. It's very interesting. It's weird, like in
1: content and in just who they are.
0: So they're both men who lived through the thirties. They both grew up with German households, very strict parents. Same thing, a family that never really touched or hugged or showed them love. Um, One's on, one's in California though, one's in New York. So there's your big difference. They're both Henry. <laughs> so it it was just interesting because if you look up Miller talking about Bukowski and vice versa, Miller actually really appreciated Bukowski and they were friends for a little bit. Um, and he wrote him a letter saying how he really enjoyed his books and he's going to share it with his friends. And he told him to be careful. I hope you're not drinking yourself to death because that's not what life is all about. And make sure you only drink when you're happy, not when you're sad, which I think is funny that he, even though he's so carefree, he still cares. He's like, okay, don't don't go crazy. Like, don't do drugs. Don't over he was looking out for him? He was looking out for him. And then if you watch an interview with Bukowski about Miller, it's pretty funny if you like Bukowski's style because they're both... Dirty old men, but eh, Bukowski
1: was not really happy with him in the interview. or At least his book, he no. said it, it bored he him. He said he
0: was very bored. He said too that philosophical. it was yeah too philosophical, and he preferred just reading about the sex scenes in the book, which <laughs> I thought was funny. That he just he was talking about how it's so much better to write simply to get your message across instead of writing.
1: Yeah, and so heavy I, I like Miller are, does those are all valid criticisms but one thing to consider is you know if you're in America and you read books and you're into western literature you've got to understand like this, this western style that comes from Hemingway the short American tough guy lines where everything is so reduced down and Simple and bam, bam, bam. That's a, a pretty recent development in the, the whole history of literature. And Miller I, was not, trying
0: to do like paying well, a homage to French literature.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess what I would say to people who are um, not sure about the book because of the style is there are other styles that are out there and they're worthwhile besides just uh, American short sentence styles. I mean, it's okay to, I mean, there's a place in language to indulge, to be extravagant if if it has a purpose, not if it's just doing it for its own sake, but that's what this is. This is a, a sensory carnival ride for language, and, you know, you don't have to read only that, mm-hmm. but... I think there is a lot of artistic merit in it, still, especially when he executes it. This and when, well,
0: when when it's a novel and you know he, the author himself is the main character. It was interesting. If you want to take the plot literally, you're going to be very bored. But if you take it like you ended up telling me that maybe the characters in this book that he interacts with, like Van Norton, one of his good friends, might be actually. Henry Miller himself in different personas.
1: Yeah, that that's also a trick from Rimbaud. It's also something Bob Dylan has talked about a lot and Jim Morrison. It's that idea of the gallery of the ancient faces, you know, being a different person uh, multiple times throughout the day. Um, Rimbaud's quote, like, myself is not enough. And you get that same thing with Miller in this book, um, that he definitely that he's a personality in flux. But I think you could do a reading of it where, like you said, the characters he meets—that Van Norton guy who's uh, been crushed by women and he's a failed author, or that that um, disciple of Gandhi who comes in and he takes to the whorehouse and is wrestling with God, or the different women or the different. Homeless people, the artists, the crazy people that he meets, I think they're all just a reflection of Miller's own bubbling, chaotic personality at this point. And that that goes back to that frenzy that Nietzsche brought up. I mean, it's that's if you like that sort of thing, you'll love this book. The energy from this writing is not from the plot or really character development even or some deep theme or idea that's being discussed it is the attitude the style the personality that this language takes on and and comes alive with and there are people out there that enjoy that sort of thing i mean you can take it too far and be someone that listens to a uh, word poetry like capital w-o-r-d poetry where nothing makes sense it's just nice sounding words this it it is nice sounding I mean very sonorous strong from an oral level and there is a thin veneer of narrative but really it's just about getting dominated by this this force that wants to experience everything try everything open itself up to pain and pleasure all all types of experience and i I just thought that was that's thrilling I mean that's that's what Got me into language in the first place when I, I read Rimbaud when I was younger. And it's still my favorite thing in language. I mean, I, res- I respect the short Western stuff, the power of implication, uh, concise Hemingway lines. But there's room, I think, for both if, mm-hmm. if you really love language.
0: I think you really have to open yourself up to read a book like this. You can't go in here close-minded. You have to—I think it's always best to actually learn about Henry Miller first before you read this book. I think you'll have a better appreciation. Now, if I had to compare between Henry Miller and Bukowski as writers, I think I would pick Bukowski just because of how entertaining he is and how he'll make me laugh out loud, whereas this book will not make you laugh. There's nothing funny in this book. But I really think that that was his strong suit of being a— showing you his philosophy and showing you what it means to almost be that French person and be liberated. Um, I'm ending with a, a quote with by, by Miller in the book. I am a free man and I need my freedom. I need to be alone. I need to ponder my shame and my despair and seclusion. I need the sunshine and the paving stones of the streets without companions, without conversation, face to face with myself, with only the music of my heart for company. What do you want of me? When I have something to say, I put it in print. When I have something to give, I give it. Your prying curiosity turns my stomach. Your compliments humiliate me. Your tea poisons me. I owe nothing to anyone. I would be responsible to God alone if he existed. But just to give you a a a great review by George Orwell himself, he said in one of his essays that he— I earnestly counsel anyone who has not done so to at least read Tropic of Cancer. With a little ingenuity or or by paying a little over the published price, you can get a hold of it. And even if parts of it disgust you, it will stick in your memory. Here, in my opinion, is the only imaginative prose writer of the slightest value who has appeared among the English-speaking races for some years past. So yeah, it's regarded as... The top 100 novels of all time for a reason. So if you want to try something different out of your comfort zone and you're okay with hearing some uh, naughty language for 300 pages, try Henry Miller's Tropic of Cancer.
1: <laughs> really quick, when you were reading uh, the second to last thing you read in about a freedom, mm-hmm. did you feel by the end of the book that Henry in this book was actually free or was he kind of just running in circles chasing his own instincts for things, his own desires? I mean, do you think this this is real freedom?
0: It's hard to say if he truly felt free by the end of this book. I think he was just struggling and he was finding himself in this book. So perhaps Tropic of Capricorn uh, you know, expands on all this, and maybe by the end of that, he's free. But I can't say I haven't read it. I, I felt like he was just kind of stuck in the middle of his life, but maybe he was going in the right direction, of being free.
1: So I think in in those really good run on paragraphs, like the one I read, you do get a real unasked feeling of freedom reading that. But at the same time, it's coming from someone that seemed pretty dysfunctional in this book and that was the interesting tension for me and mm-hmm. I think something everybody could relate to whether you like the style or not is just that struggle between trying to find order and peace or trying to do your own thing fulfill your own desires create and that that was the the push and pull here and what really drew me in
0: be as free as the French and while you're being as free as the French, make sure you like, subscribe to our channel. Share this video with friends and family. If you're not watching on YouTube, what are you doing? Go go to YouTube as well. But we're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, I guess, right? Or Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you're going to find ours. And rate it. Give us a five-star review if you're enjoying it that much. Please. <laughs> But yeah, we'll see you on the next one. And remember,
1: if a book is banned, it's worth reading.